podcast. My name is Hannah Pollock, and when I met David Attenborough, I flapped just a little, a little. Holy moly! Welcome to Reptile and Chill. It is approximately week 43 of the COVID-19 lockdown. I haven't seen Mike in, well, what feels like years. Um, no different with Danny. We never see him anyway. Um, but welcome to the show. How is everyone? No. Hello, everybody. Um, what, Danny? No. No? No. Not happening? No, nah, everything is nope at the minute. <laughs> so. you're, str- you're struggling a little bit at the moment, aren't you, pal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I want to go, go and do some work. I want to do some manual labours, doing my nuts. You know, you know what's really funny as well? So Wednesday is probably the only time in the week that I get to talk. We do the live stream and we do the podcast recording. And then I have no one else to talk to for the rest of the week. It's weird, isn't it? And we're all living in uh, like a polar opposite life at the moment aren't we where for me i am literally doing this all day mm-hmm. all day to clients to um inter you know staff internally um my bosses In- internally it's, yeah so internal staff so oh. you know people who work direct for my company mm-hmm. um uh, and then i'm doing it with clients uh it's just it's just ridiculous the amount of i don't know it, phone conversations or, or video conferences that I'm doing at the moment. It's, it's mental. Yeah, um, Sony got in touch with me, Danny, by the way. Um, unfortunately, they, they're going to bang you from your PlayStation. Um, okay. So much to do with too much usage over the last like, three weeks. That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> in yeah. the very slightest. <laughs> yeah, so you log, you log on to the PlayStation at three o'clock in the morning, Danny Wells is still on. Four o'clock in the morning, Danny Wells is still on. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't actually surprise me if I turned my PlayStation on. It just went no. <laughs> um, I've, I've, I've completely lost the plot. Um, I've had hiring pants yeah, on same. all week. Um, I'm, I've, I've now convinced myself I'm going to Thailand as soon as that that the um, lockdown's lifted. I'm gone. Um, I'm living in basketball you know, shorts. Yeah. Do you know what though, mate? Um, I'm 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 doing my, all my conference calls and that. Um, I've got my pants on and a shirt and tie. <laughs> <laughs> Are they your party pants, though? Oh, no, no. They're, uh, no. That's oh. safe for special occasions only. Okay. Um, okay. Can I just mention quickly, on a serious note, though, and I know we're mm-hmm. laughing, um, you know, I think we're a week five now in, in, in lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and... This is the time now where at first people go, oh, I'm not at work. This is great. I can do the few jobs in the house. A couple of weeks, it's like a bit of a holiday. Um, okay, we can't get out uh, get out and about, but the weather's been lovely. But all of a sudden, it gets to week five, week six. People start going through the same routines day in, day out. People are starting to struggle now. So, you know, we do loads of work and, and uh, about mental health awareness. This is the time now, guys, where we want to be speaking to our friends uh whether it's uh you know a conference call facetime whatever yeah and just having che- that chat with yeah, them man. check up on each other because it's important there's been 
I went a bit quiet, didn't I? Uh, over the weekend and whatnot. And to be honest, I was just stuck in my own world, you know, isolation week five, nothing to do, da 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 da. Phone goes, it's Mike checking up, seeing if I'm all right, you've been quiet, what's going on? And I just thought, yeah, you kind of forget yourself, don't you, a little bit, you, you get caught you up do. in everything, and it's just all bleh. Um, and look, a good friend, and, and Danny as well. Um, Danny rang me twice, and I didn't return his call because I'm a horrible person. Um, yep. but you know what I mean because he's, he's so Terrible. busy at the moment I, I'm so busy God, at the like, moment uh, it's, it's hard man like it's there's so many harem pants that I can buy and I, I don't know what to do I want them all so you know what the, the funniest thing ever though Hoss that I came and say you you have got your new vivarium set up right don't even go there right don't you, you, you dare you, no uh, no you I'm dare. not gonna, I'm not I swear to God, I won't mention the glass, right? But you, 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 you have changed it inside about four times, right? Redone it all inside four times. And you haven't even put an animal in there yet. Okay. Right, okay. I've, I've, I have got an update regarding the, the, uh, the, the vivarium. So listen, listen to this. What do you think that is? Uh... Paint. Paint. It's paint. Oh, it's it got it. You've got it. <laughs> so I was opening the box and I was just like, if this is the wrong colour, I am going to hurt myself. That would have been brilliant. Um, it, it is the correct colour. Home base, you aren't going to have a legal suit. Um, but it, you know how many days it was? It's quite spooky, actually. Go 18. On. 28 days later. Honestly. No. Yeah. What? So... I've now renamed it Zombie Black. Zombie Black. Well, <laughs> I, I can't understand how it takes 28 days for a little bit of paint from a home base to get You know, to You know you. what it was, Rob? What they did is on day number one, they put a camera outside my house, right? Mm. And they put one in my bedroom, in my bathroom, in my kitchen. Candid. And I don't know, but there's a reality TV show of me losing mm -hmm. my fucking shit the Freeman Show, <laughs> not the Truman Show. The Freeman Show, <laughs> Freeman Show. Brilliant. <laughs> did, did you guys just uh, like tell all the listeners my real name? Wow. No, if you wouldn't have mentioned it, nobody would have known what was on about us. I'm, I'm going to tell them your address <laughs> later. <laughs> um, have has anybody? Uh, did anybody? Has, has anybody been looking up to the sky over the last few days and no, seeing? I've not looked outside my bedroom window, to be completely honest, mate. Look, look, Phelps, when you're playing the PlayStation, <laughs> the last thing you want to be doing is looking at the sky. <laughs> Guys, this is amazing stuff. I sat out there with the kids last night, right, uh, all wrapped up in, in, in our blankets, looking up. Mate, the satellites, I mean, Maya was like, there's one. There's another one, and literally you've got the Starlink coming over. I think they just launched another 60 today up into the sky. Um, but we must have counted 40 in a line, one after the other, satellites coming straight yeah. over. To, to be honest, I lost... Incredible. It was, it was incredible. It is good, but I lost interest with when I turned on Facebook and it was like, oh, there's another 60 uh, 5G going to kill us all satellites and the world's going to end, and it's all... The, oh, dude, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with life. I'm not going to lie, Facebook and social media does take the joy and the fun out of most things, doesn't Cold it? All stuff like that. You know? Yeah. 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 Oh, you my know, God. I, I, could, I could probably count 500 people on my friends list. They've got pictures of it. Oh, my God, look, it's so amazing. Ah. <laughs> I don't want to say it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I can oh, honestly I say... Um, 
there's not much to do. There's nothing on TV. Um, no bands have brought out any decent music that I can binge at the moment. I'm struggling to find new bands. Any recommendations? Get in touch. Let me know. Um, Facebook basically is life dude, at the moment, and Facebook's no, I, dude, mate, I'm, I, I, I'm, dude. I am fining you ten whole English pounds for what you have just said, Hoss. <sighs> Yeah, for us, especially, yeah. especially and I, and with our amazing guest who we've got on tonight, and you come out with a statement like "there's nothing on telly." But I'm not being funny, mm. right, mate? But, but sorry. I, and also, you're talking to me, and you can't find any good music. The internet I'm, don't I'm work. You a tenor. The internet don't in my work. pocket. Is that a whole twenty pound already? Yeah, whole twenty so English pounds. in my bedroom, which no. I'm confined to, the internet never bloody works, and I've got no free view or anything. I've literally got Netflix. That's it. Uh, no excuse, mate. It is an excuse. I'm sticking with it. What's wrong with Netflix? It, Netflix is good. No, I'm not, I've, watched, anime. I've watched everything. No, I can't do um, uh, yeah, manga, all that. No. No good. Anyways. Um, I have got some news. Oh, can, we, can we get the guest on first, or do you want to do your news first? I'm impressed. Oh, do you know what? I think we should get her on. She's been so passionate. Do you know what? One of the first guests, right... <laughs> that has not been either laughing in the background or knocking drinks over in the background. Blender. Um, <laughs> we've, had, we've had blenders before. She actually knows how to press mute. Yeah. Or, or she's already <laughs> sick of our shit and she's done one. <laughs> yeah, probably that. So, do you want to do this week's intro? Then, I, would say, I would say that one. Yeah. Uh, I will do the intro. So, um, this week we are lucky enough um, to have a fantastic person that's come on the show. She's, had a, uh, she's only young, but she's had an amazing life up to now. I think she's probably got the best job in the world. Um, so, this week's guest is uh, Hannah Pollock, off of the television uh so hannah off works of television. off of the television so <laughs> hannah has an amazing job <laughs> Dude, you know you can just imagine what's that woman who goes hi mum i'm on the telly <laughs> but it's great I mean, it, this is this is fantastic this is this is twice in one night guys this is it so is we've just recorded the, the live show with simon and Susie off of the telly and now we've got the lovely Hannah Pollock, who uh, works on CBBC's uh, Deadly Sixty. Hello. <laughs> Hannah, how are you doing? Hello. I'm good. I've been listening intently. And yes, I pressed mute, but I've had a big grin on my face for the past <laughs> 10 minutes. Okay, so it, I'm, when, I'm just surprised you're still here. To be when honest. you say grin, are we like, on a scale of one to 10, how much like a Cheshire cat did you look like? I'd say about seven, a solid yeah. seven. Okay. Good seven. That, that, that's a good start. <laughs> okay, it's not quite like uh, Joker splitting yet, is it? There. Well, we, we've quite. got time. We've got time. Okay, so welcome to the show. Um, <laughs> Mike is very excited. Um, Mike has promised that he's not going to talk for ninety-five percent of the show. Um, he's on his best behaviour. Promise. He's a massive, massive fan of the show. Um, I think we all are, to be honest, but um, Mike especially. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, well, it's mad. I don't want to just talk about the Deadly Sixty and get into all that because we all know, we all watch it, we all love it. I want to get to know you and what it's like to be part of that kind of experience. Um, so do you want to take us back right to the beginning and kind of like go where your interest in animals started? Yeah, definitely. Well, so I, I mean, I grew up watching Deadly Sixty and um, 
much to the disappointment of the crew because I am the youngest member and they hate it when I say that um, <laughs> they're, they're for the originals um, but I yeah I watched it when I was younger and I think something that I love about the show is that we don't try and hide anything it, it shows Steve who is amazing it also shows the crew and um, basically our mission to find these animals and then filming them so it's very much behind the scenes we're taking you with us every step of the way and I think it was shows like that um that really got me interested in wildlife so um growing up seeing these things on the television and and just wanting to be a part of it so i think now having worked on the show um it's it's a dream come true for me really and i think there's a big big place for wildlife television that's aimed at the younger generations um and it just having a big part to play in, in, in people being inspired and wanting to love wildlife. I think it's absolutely key as well, Hannah, and you touched on that, aiming a lot of these at kids because, it, it, you know, the older generations are stuck in their ways and, and, and it's the kids that we need to be educating because they're going to make a massive difference when, you know, as they grow up. Yeah, I mean, so many children, I, the questions that we get from children are just amazing and they, they're they so open-minded and then their minds are just like a sponge and they'll take in everything um that you say and they they are just genuinely so interested in the natural world and and every everything in it and I think it's important that I know for me growing up and um, when you look at textbooks or, or often when you're in school and and people ask you what do you want to be when you grow up I think it's it's often the 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 there's not a lot of variety of when people um, sort of pitch jobs to you. There's not a lot of variety to sort of pick from. People will go for the um, not so much obvious, but that that I wanted. I I was inspired by explorers, and um, I want to be a wildlife filmmaker. But when people asked, "What are you interested in?" and I said wildlife, they would instantly go, "Ah, you want to be a vet or you want to be a zookeeper?" Those yeah. were the only two options put to me. Um, and it's things like television and and seeing other options that I think think certainly inspired me to to want to go in the direction that I've sort of gone. So how old was you when you just sort of like decided that that was what you was gonna you was gonna do and and you know Oof. you was gonna take a path in that. Honestly, that I'm 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 not I'm not sure. Um, I have always loved uh sort of wildlife. I'll I'll have been the the kid in the playground that would move a worm from the middle of the playground so nobody stood on it. And I think I've had a love of of animals for a very, very long time. Um, I think deciding to take this path has probably been quite a journey. I mean, I remember watching Legally Blonde when I was younger and decided I was going to be a lawyer. Um, (laughs) You can't get much further away from that now. Um, I I did for a while think I was going to go down the veterinary route. And I think a lot of that was because people, again, saying, oh, you love animals. This is what you should do. Um, and it's an amazing profession. And it is something that I considered for a very, very long time. But like I say, I've had an interest with photography and filming. And I think I was just I've been quite lucky in the way that I've managed to to marry the two loves together and, and take on this route. Um, but it wasn't I, I decided to study zoology because I wanted to understand wildlife and I want I've always sort of liked science and I wanted to get to to know as much as I sort of could um but it wasn't until I was at university that I actually picked up a filming camera so it's it's been since then that I've developed that that skill 
so so you've developed that in quite a short period of time really um you know that and that's one of you sort of like the things that you do in your full-time job now um just just going back obviously um you was living up north um at home and then you decided to to go to university um and then you moved to um <clears throat> you moved to uh exeter did you live in in exeter i know you went to exeter uni no so it was um yes exeter university but it was the cornwall campus so um yeah like you said i grew up in in yorkshire and uh decided to to go down there so it was about a seven seven or eight hour um commute down south and when i went to the open day it was the most southerly i'd, I'd been um <laughs> but i fell in love with it to be honest the university is is amazing the cornwall campus it's right by the beach um surfing kayaking beach barbecues like the social life was was uh great and the studies were good too um no it's a fantastic university and is that in, is it falmouth where you were then yeah it's the penrith yeah. campus um <clears throat> so something that, that that i found key to the university was um so we were the exeter university and we shared a campus with falmouth university and falmouth university is a fantastic um like arts university so um, in my first year, my accommodation, I was sharing accommodation with people that were studying photography. And um, it was actually one of my flatmates, her boyfriend was studying film, and he was part of the American football team on campus. So uh, I, I asked if I could go along and see if I could pick up any filming tips and filming one of their games was the first thing I ever filmed. But I think it's, it's, it's key and it's something actually key for this industry is um, networking and getting to know people and um by me sort of speaking to him and just saying hey I'm actually really interested in cameras and um, would it would you mind if I came and just sort of helped out and um, I'll carry kit I'll, I'll do whatever I just sort of want to learn a bit more and I found particularly throughout my first year of university um I would do my studies and my science during the week and then if any of my flatmates uh we're doing a photo shoot on the weekend again I'd just go along I'd, I'd see if I could help out in any way um, and I think that's something that's amazing about university but even not not so much university people have so many different interests and I think just being open-minded and um, learning as much as you can about anything can can send you on directions that you perhaps never um, Def thought you'd go on. I think as well so that um, to bring it back to um, reptile and children the community that we have um, Obviously, everyone who's part of our community either keeps reptiles or has some form of passion or liking for them. But it's the skill sets that are amongst those people as well. You know what I mean? And it's like we have this, you know, this mutual ground. But we have we have all sorts. You know, we have people who are CAD designers. We have a, we have accountants, people who work in charge. Professors. Prefer yeah, yeah, professors. Um, last week's podcast, we had Warren Booth on, who works in a lab, um, who absolutely destroyed our minds talking about you know genetic barcoding and this that and the other and whilst his research isn't about reptiles he's able to now use that lab for reptiles and it's, it's just it's amazing how much knowledge and information is out there that is at your fingertips mm -hmm. and you probably don't know it's like yourself you put yourself in that position where you've wanted that information and you've just gone out and you know you've got it um and i'd say it's fair play to you for having the um well the I'm not going to say the uh, the genitalia word, but for having it to um, <laughs> you know go out and get it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think it's um, as you say, there's there's a lot of opportunities out there, and as long as you're not annoying, and I hope I've not been annoying. Um, no, <laughs> at all. So that, that's think, that's where I'm going wrong then. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, but tra- trading skills and and I just I truly believe that um in in I guess karma in a way. But if you can uh, like help out others and and um yeah, I know this sounds really hippy dippy, but yeah, like it'll it'll come back and help you too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so no, I agree. so um Mike wants to start up um, a YouTube channel and has gone out and bought a gimbal. Um, do you have any advice on where he should start? Sorry, Mike. It's not really Mike. It's Mike. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> asking for a friend, Ross. Yeah. Asking for a, he's asking for a, for a friend. So for, from, from a, um, <laughs> I know how to turn the camera on. I know how to operate the gimbal, kind of. When you are looking for things to shoot, um, angles and that kind of thing, where where does that come from? Knowing, is it just experience or is it a case of just trying it and see what happens? I think it's just practice, practice, practice. So um, I can go out and shoot something tomorrow and I can guarantee that I won't get it right first time. I think it's it's a case of getting your eye in and um, you don't have to have the most expensive equipment in the world. Phones nowadays are amazing. The video capabilities are on people's phones is, is fantastic. And I think just, um, yeah, whatever age you are, just going out and trying and, and um, seeing what you can find and film and then bringing it back having a look at it and and is the best way of learning I've learned a lot from just going out shooting and then as in filming I gotta watch that word filming um <laughs> and then coming back having a look and going oh no that doesn't look that doesn't look good next time I need to do x y and z whatever it is I think it's just a case of practice so if you can turn the camera on that's a great start um, and that's just where you're filming. going wrong Hoss <laughs> What what, what 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 amazes me as well is that I'll sit um, and I'll get loads and loads of footage and like I've got hours and hours and I've got to go, but I get these hours worth of footage down into like ten fifteen minutes and I'm sitting there going that's crap that's shit Ugh, I wish I'd have done that instead uh, no, that's too low like the amount of footage you guys must get through to produce these you know these massive series. Um, and there's probably shots in there because obviously I don't think you don't do the editing do you you just do the, the camera work if I'm correct yeah I just do the camera work on Deadly 60 but um when I was learning and and, and before I um sort of got into the production uh industry um I did a lot of my own films and um and edited those so so I have done bits bits of editing and then with deadly 60 i've had the opportunity to sit in with the editor on on a few different things and gosh all respect to editors because they they're amazing at, at what they do um but like you say yeah we, there, there's always um excess footage i think it, it very much depends on on your production so the big landmarks the, the bigger um series that, that are produced can be filmed over four years and the footage that you'll get through that is is a lot um obviously there's a lot more of it with with deadly 60 for each of our episodes we were normally in the field uh for around a week per episode and because it's very much rough and ready you're coming with us you're seeing what we're seeing and there's there's significantly less footage than than you would get on the big landmarks but no there's there's definitely a lot to trawl through okay so yeah it's phenomenal before we get into the deadly 60 and all about what's all that going on um, do you want to talk to us about this personal, um, I don't know what to call it, um, you, you, there's a lad that you met in uni and you did this, um, oh God, I'm, I'm stumped for word, you did your own documentaries with him. 
Um, do you want to talk about a little bit about that first? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, while I was at university, so I said I was studying zoology and um, uh, one of my friends and I, one of my friends and I, we were both interested in wildlife film. And he, he got the opportunity to go over to Malawi and make a short film about the illegal wildlife trade out there, specifically poaching elephants. And he he did that film. It was shown on national television. The president saw it. Um, everyone sort of involved with that process was, was happy and saw it as being, OK, job done. This is to encourage people not to poach elephants. Um, and he came back to the UK and he and I got talking. And we sort of thought, well, that's great. But actually across... Um, many places in Africa they don't have televisions they don't have electricity a lot of the places where the human wildlife conflict is at its highest rate will not have seen that film they just don't have the means to see that film so we started talking about a way in which we could get that film to those places and we sort of um, came up with the concept of this bicycle powered cinema which um, is not a new concept there are bicycle cinemas out there but we were two poor students and um, couldn't afford to buy one (laughs) <laughs> so um, we, we managed to pull together our own and headed out to Malawi and we did that in over our Christmas holidays we were there for about six weeks and we reached around 20,000 people um, wow. with, with the film um, yeah so, so, so that was sort of our first project and the response that we got was um, really good people had never seen moving images before in, in many of the places that we went to so with that we formed our organisation um, and so throughout my final year of university, we were building up for, for a big project. And then when I finished university a, a few months later, so I finished university in 2017 um, and in the June, July, and then in the October, we both headed out to Kenya for six months yeah. and we, we ran our project. So the main uh, basis of this project was to produce relatable films so there are so many people across Africa that are doing incredible things to protect wildlife and doing frontline conservation um, right there where they're living so we made 10 films in the local language whether that was Ma or Swahili um, about local people that were doing these things so from a man who habituated himself into a troop of baboons um, to another who was protecting an elephant maternity forest or another one who hand reared a buffalo incredible stories and we filmed these and then um, did a route back around to all the places that we'd been um, we partnered with Falmouth University, so students there edited the films whilst we continued to film. And then it meant that we didn't have to sort of come back to the UK, go back out. We just had the films ready to do another cycle, but with the bicycle cinema and show these films back to communities. So really, we were just there facilitating um making the films and showing them back. But everything came from people on the ground. It was their messages that they wanted to share with other communities. Um, and what yeah. type of messages was it? Was these sort of like messages of saying that there's opportunities out there for local people to go out and do this amazing stuff? Yeah, it was a bit of everything. So it was saying to people pretty much just protect your wildlife and this is our wildlife. So it was Kenyan speaking from the heart about um, them valuing the wildlife around them and wanting to protect it so there's a huge issue with with wildlife conflict um well in in every country but specifically to kenya things like elephants um crop raiding 
And um, so we, we made a film about a man who spoke about the different methods he was using to stop this. So whether it's chilly or whether it's making noise, different methods that he was using and he'd found useful. So the main aim of that was to try and show people that you don't have to retaliate in a bad way. There's other things that you can do. And similarly, um, there was another man who uh, had got a bit of land and he put beehives on it and he was selling the honey to tourist lodges. So it was a way of people showing that there was there was certain things that they could do with the wildlife that didn't have to be um, a retaliation and a bad thing. There was there was positive things, too. <clears throat> yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's and it's really hard because unless you're actually out there living like they live, you know, and like you say that you know a lot of these people are very very poor when they see animals destroying their crops that's probably feeding their family um they are going to react negatively so it is a really hard <laughs> educational piece to educate these people you know yeah. to get it, them to know that that these animals are actually bringing so many people to your country for for you know tourism that's opening up other opportunities you know yeah. and we don't want to lose them Exactly. But in the same way, you, you've touched on it there by saying that um, they they're the ones living it. I've, I've never experienced that. I'm very lucky to have grown up in this country and, and um, had everything I ever needed, really, in, in comparison. So for me to go out there and start lecturing or start trying to say you should do this, you should do that is possibly the worst thing I could have possibly done. And I think the key thing of what we were trying to do is just give a platform so that we can hear their messages, hear what they want to get out. And it was interesting that we people that we met with um, a lot didn't speak English and we used a translator. But a lot of people saw us with a film camera and, and they, they want they were their reaction was, OK, what do you want us to say? And we were turning it on its head by saying, well, no, that this is your story. What message do you want to get out? Because we're going to be taking this to however many thousands of people in communities. Um, what's your message? And it, it was really interesting and it was really inspiring. Um, yeah. what they had to say um, i was right. um scrolling down your um well, up and down your instagram feed the other day um and yeah. something um i was behaving myself don't worry um there was, there was something <laughs> like, there's a lot of photos of you with uh, local children um yes and i can't even begin to imagine what that is like the emotions that are attached to that um and it's something that i'm um, i would eventually like to go and witness for myself um so you're going into these areas most of them don't have electricity. There's a lot of there's a lot of famine and poverty and and disease and you know it's not how we live at all. Um, so do you want to talk about the the emotional side of doing the work as well? So when you do come across these people, and I suppose you feel that like you can't help as such, you can't intervene, but you want to. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's it's tricky because. Um as you say, the sort of circumstances that you look on and you think, um, gosh, that, that must be really tough and, and things. But at the same time, there was a lot of, well, I'd say the vast majority of people that I was, I was meeting, they're really happy. And in a way, it's a much simpler life that people live out there. And I think often you look at what people have in this country and it's, it's, you you think about the things that people complain about in this country and then you put it into comparison you think gosh the, there is no comparison but I think people are a, a, a lot they're happy in 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 what the, what they're they're doing and it, it it's a it's a really difficult balance and I think something that I found um 
really touching with with particularly the children out there is their desire to learn and um the number of children that were just interested in the cameras uh, let alone anything else but they you would see them them following you and and looking at the cameras and i am i'm i'm a very open person and i i'm quite happy to sort of put my camera down and um show them how to use it and i remember there being one young girl who who was looking at the cameras and I sort of beckoned and again I, I learned a little bit of Ma while I was out there but I could I couldn't speak it but there's a, a lot in the way of um like you, you, yeah <laughs> you could you get, get the by, you get yeah, you by get the vibes. hand gestures and, a couple of words yeah, yeah absolutely. and I, I put the camera down and I showed her how to zoom and instantly she was like looking and she could see some cows off in the distance and it was it was the community um herders had taken the cows out and she was looking at them up on the hill and she was like eyes wide wow and then is it real i can just imagine now you yeah. know she never ever experienced that for us we we can zoom on our phones we see it in every day of our lives but for somebody like that who's never experienced yeah. that before so yeah I, I... it was it was amazing but then there was also there was a maasai warrior also off to the side and generally within the community a young girl and a maasai warrior that they're, they're they're opposite ends of, of sort of the, the, yeah. the community spectrum and you could see him looking so we beckoned him as well and sort of we're going to show him the camera and this little girl actually pushed me and my project partner away and started showing the the, the warrior how to zoom and how to focus <laughs> so she was showing him and it was amazing it was wow. such a special moment i um, mean those yeah. are the moments that I should imagine, you know, you'll, you'll remember for the rest of your life. This is the side of the things where, you know, your job where you think this is absolutely incredible experience. Yeah, in this I, with, I suppose with as people. well, you've, you've gone out there to shoot shoot footage of, I don't know, a white rhino or a, you know, a lion or, or whatever fantastic animal. And that that's all good. Um, but it's the story that you don't get to tell. Um, yeah. you know that 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 time where you went into that tribe and this happened or that, like you just said, you know, we take that for granted. If you if you sat down with me and you went, Hoss, I'm gonna teach you how to zoom in on my camera, I'd be like, Yeah, I'm gonna go get coffee. I'm <laughs> and you know, and I'd just be like, Yeah, okay, wicked. And I probably you know humour you and it will do it. But I'd be like, What she trying to teach me this for? Like I don't need to know this. But that's where we are. That's that's our society and our way of thinking. You know, it's not it's not interesting for us. Um. You've gone into this, 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 you know, this third world country and spoke to these, you know, um, these these people. I don't, I don't want to be offensive, but um, but it's amazing. It is. Um, is there any specific moments apart from this one that have kind of made you realise, like, shit, I'm really here and this is amazing. I think, gosh, every time I'm there with a wild animal, I think, gosh, I am very, very lucky to be doing this. Um, it's something that that happens, yeah, all the time, and I, I think I'm very, very lucky to be doing um sort of the the job I do. I think, particularly with with that those six months that I spent in Kenya, um, I I really got to know people, and all of those pictures that you see on my feed, um, because I think actually there's a lot of controversy around whether or not it's it's right to even post photos like that. Um, but I can say with certainty that every single child that is is in my feed, um, I've spent time with. I, I got to know the family. I got to know the, the community that was there. Um, and I, I got to a point where I felt accepted. And I think just it's it's that it's being able to go into 
um, a situation, a country, a community, um, an animal's environment, and just be able to have that experience. I think a lot that, yeah, how, how incredibly lucky we are. And I think s situations like now where we're all in lockdown and, and humans are trapped in their houses, wildlife will be thriving in, in many cases because we're not there disrupting it. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. I'm not sure if I answered the question there. I you, went on a bit of a yeah, no, no. We, we like it when people go on a tangent. I don't do that ever, I promise. But, uh... <laughs> I, think, I think it would be um, slightly off topic, but definitely food for thought. Wouldn't it be great if you could sneak through all the zoos in the world right now? Because there's no there's no punters there. There's no general public, you know, putting their dirty hands on the glass or whatever, you know. I wonder if from a, a, a animal behaviour... Uh, perspective that anything's changed with all the animals that are in captivity in the zoos and whatnot and how are the shy animals coming out a little bit more often um i find that quite interesting so i think yeah. i think they'll they'll be they'll be looking at uh emma lawler doing a pole dancing as she's got the zoo to herself down there <laughs> no, that's too, too too much information and... yeah. I had I think, a, I sorry go on no, I think there's the, obviously there's a lot of um, scientists and people that do this this research into behaviours. Um, I think they'll they'll see it in the zoos and they'll see it in the wild. All of them are obviously on lockdown too. But I'd be really interested to see once this lockdown lifts, if if whatever research they can can find, because it's things like the seabirds, um, the puffins, everything that's coming into breed and breeding season at the moment. Not having people walking around the nests and disturbing it, I think it's going to have huge. Um, uh, I think it's gonna big well, impacts. I'll be interested to see. Well, it's funny. Do you know Mike, what? Mike saw Sorry. something. Um, we we have we, we, me and Mike are really really lucky. We've got an absolutely fantastic park, um, by a nature reserve. By it's closer to you, but it's it's very close to me. You yeah. saw something for the first time in that park last week, Mike. Oh, a mandarin duck. No, 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 no. no. Not, not mandarin duck was pretty cool, but there's something even better than that. Oh, a monk jack deer. Yeah, yeah. No, I've never, yeah. ever seen a monk jack deer in that park, ever. Not in the park. I mean, I've seen them out and about when I've been out in the, you know, Cornwall, Devon and, and, and places where, you know, you, you'd see lots of deer, but never seen them. I mean, it's four and a half, just over four and a half thousand uh, acres, the park is. I knew they were in there, but I've never seen them. But um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to weigh in for the first time in this podcast because my internet is just Norfolk. <laughs> um, and I haven't been here. Um, Muntjac are a pest here. Yeah, I know you get loads of them, don't you? Yeah, it's actually really surprising you know, to hear you say that. But we're, we're in the middle of Birmingham, seen. mate. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> can it change? Yeah, but I mean, the first one you've seen in like in forty-nine years, Phelps. No, not in that specific part. I've seen loads of them about. You missed that. Uh, it, and and it's not forty nine years, you cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am younger than Steve Backshaw. I have you know, forty seven. <laughs> I am a I'm I'm a forty four. I think I'm forty four. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, just just going back to your point there though, uh, Hannah, and and what you were saying, Hoss. Um, even in my back garden, I'm seeing things slightly different now. Just down the road, I live on the outskirts, so so I've got quite a lot of farm um, land around by me. Um, and if I go, I don't know, a few miles down the road where it's a little bit more rural, I will see buzzards um, about and quite a lot of them. But literally, we are now getting them hovering over our garden, and I've never seen them wow. hover over our gardens before. So 
you know, I've definitely seen uh, a difference in the wildlife, uh, uh, like I say. It's how quiet it is as well. There's less cars on the road. So I went for a walk this morning just around the estate, and I could hear birds, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I could hear people's dogs barking. And there's a bloke behind our house who's got a cockerel that I never knew. And apparently he's had this <laughs> cockerel for years, never heard it before. And it just shows you how noisy we actually are. I've, I've, I've noticed, like, between uh, a few of my friends on, you know, like, work friends and stuff like that, um, obviously they're going out for walks to local parks, and they've noticed um, that uh, animals seem to be moving, moving further than they used to, if you know what I mean. So, they, they you know, originally they'd have, like, a, a small radius where they'd move. And now, because there's less people around, they're moving slightly further. So maybe that's why you're seeing buzzards, because the yeah. prey is moving further out. I think you're absolutely right, mate. Um, uh, one last thing, and then, sorry, Hannah, we do this every now and then. We all start oh, yeah. going on our thing. Um, you really my, selfish, that's what it is. No, <laughs> uh, my wife, Sam, listened to something really interesting on the radio the other day. And she said, Mike, I've just heard this, and you've got to speak about it on the on the podcast. And there was, um, there was a, a guy who was a musician years ago, um, uh, and he started to look at different sounds. So we started to go all around the world, whether it was Brazil, Costa Rica, um, uh, all these lovely, beautiful did, places. Did he go to and, Norfolk? Um, <laughs> he may have gone to Norfolk. Mate. He'll get um, all the sounds in Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> but Gypsies. What, but what, they, what he soon started to realise was that all the animals, despite what species there were, um, were in tune with each other and basically they timed their call so they didn't interrupt each other because mm-hmm. if if all the animals um, made their call at the same time nothing could get heard mm-hmm. so they were all in sync with each other and what they were saying was they studied a place and then went back I think it was 10-15 years later where I think there was people using chainsaws and it knocked a lot of the animals out of sync and it took them like 45 minutes to get their their choruses all back in tune again and 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 we are apparently were the were one of the only animals that do that we'll just interrupt yeah, so from, where yeah so this is where my music degree comes slightly in, in in use so we call it a linear pattern so um if you were to have a drum beat and nothing falls on the same uh, note everything's individual we call that linear um so i guess wildlife calls at a, lin- a linear pattern nothing they listen to each other and i think that's what we could probably you know take a leaf out of their, their book and actually start listening to each other rather than just rabbiting on all the time um and being destructive and horrible so like, like we've said many times maybe this covid19 thing isn't such a bad thing after all and we actually might start being more human and yeah. if, if we actually take notice to what's going on I think people are certainly getting to know their um, like back gardens really well and, and their local patches, which can only be a good thing. I think yeah. I, I actually back up onto some allotments and I've, I've lived, I've lived it, rented this house for like a year now. And it wasn't until lockdown that I actually went and walked through them. And that's so bad to say, oh, wow. but they're amazing. And it's, mm. it, I think, like you say, it's just, um, the, yeah, a lot changing. And actually, it's funny you mentioned the, the chainsaw thing, because it's things like the a bird, the lyre bird, that now mimics a chainsaw as part of its Same. song, which mm-hmm. is crazy. 
I the impact we can have. It might have been on, 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 on one of the, I can't, it wouldn't have been on the Deadly 60, I don't think, but it was on one of the documentaries and they yeah. recorded it. And it actually sounds like perfect, like a chainsaw. The, um, the, the cuckoo is a really good example. You know, the, the cuckoos, the male and female, will call to each other in exact timing. And if you make a cuckoo sound, they'll stop. Uh, what do they sound like, Danny? If a third one chimes in, they'll stop completely. Oh, God, I not, this, not this yeah. again. Let, let's Can not we, make... let's no, let's, Genuinely, let's... I, I actually think cookies are amazing. No, like really not, I think, no, I think what happened last time impression... we did this? We got the episode <laughs> taken down last time we did this. <laughs> no, <Your> cuckoo. no <laughs> it wasn't because of... <laughs> cuckoo! <laughs> oh, that sounds beautiful. Uh, uh, there you go. Look at that. That is absolutely okay, so amazing. For, for Hannah's benefit, you know that. Um, oh God. Oh, two there's a ge- Dutch or there's German, German guys, and I'll send you the video. Um, you're probably going to block me after I've sent it. Yeah. <laughs> but go, going back no, don't, don't look forward to it please don't um, <laughs> going back to allotments and people getting in, uh, into tune with that kind of things I'm on an absolute roll at the moment I've got courgettes, aubergines squash um, chilies of the uh, Calorina Reaper variety uh, tomatoes um, avocado Oh, avocado. I've got a herb garden. Um, a herb gardens are easy. Go Hannah, to Aldi and buy it. Hannah, please, please be aware that all he's done is planted them. Nothing's actually happened. We're in. We're in week We're in week two. You're going to kill them all. <laughs> Being a reptile keeper and having all these high, high LED hydroponic lights is coming useful for the first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's funny Danny he's saying he's growing all these he can't even grow grass he's had to put fake grass down in his hey, garden hey, 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 hey behave <laughs> yourself whose house do I live in whose house do I live in it's not uh, yeah. I know I'm, I'm, I'm joking mate <laughs> I'm imagining you living in like a rainforest now with yeah peppers well, chilies and everything well, growing I'm, everywhere I'm trying well, to plant an image to the, to the world that I've got all these like plants and maharim pants and stuff and that I'm a bit of a hippy dippy like love the world kind of character in in, in... But his vibs are different colours. Yeah, to be the fuck off. Damn <laughs> You made me swear. Oh, that's another that's so, that's so twenty one pounds. Eleven, Eleven pounds you're on yeah. tonight now. I owe a tenner because I dropped off. Oh yeah, you did Dana. But yeah, but in real honesty, my actual image, I'm just fat and I sit on my bed watching Netflix, mainly Tiger King. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah. Right. I'm I'm trying desperately to grow some peppers i saved a load of pepper seeds and um have, have planted them in every container i can find and i actually got two shoots today so i'm like a proud oh, mother yeah. of some pepper babies <laughs> lots, lots of sun how, how i did the tomatoes which was i've never ever done it this way before but i just got a pot with soil in and i just chopped the tomato up put it in and put like i don't know half a centimeter of soil over the top and just left it it's amazing that is, Hoss. They've got seeds inside them. No, no, but most people are going buy seeds, <laughs> and I was just like, nah, I want to chuck a tomato in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's funny you say that though, Hoss. You are right. A lot of people go or need tomato seeds. When you don't. You've got the. Fr- got you've got it. <laughs> um, I've got a question for Hannah. Yep. So, so you went off um, into Africa, 
Yeah. Um, you start doing all this amazing work, and you know, um, I'm 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 picturing my daughter. She's 14. Every cheesy, really into animals. Everybody keeps on saying, "You oh, you want to be going to veterinary and all that." No, yeah. she's took media studies at school um, for next year for her GCSEs, and I'm thinking of her then progressing and then her going to Africa. How did your mom and dad feel with you being out there? I mean, they must have been awfully proud, but really, really scared at the same time. Oh, holy moly. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, holy moly. T- holy moly. <laughs> holy moly. Who, I was trying to think, so, I was trying like to think of a word I could use. Yeah, Dan, Danny, I'm just going to steal your line. Who are you? Who is she? <laughs> is she? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my, my parents, gosh, they would have a million things to say about that one. Trying to tell your parents that you're going to a community where there's poachers and trying to tell them not to poach. Yeah. No, um, they my my parents have been great they they've sort of brought me up to just um follow my dreams go go for it work hard and and see what you can sort of do but no say yeah they they <laughs> I'm going no yeah they, they were worried um but I just kept kept them in the loop I think they trusted me that I was gonna d- try and stay safe but no especially with Kenya just hopping in a car and driving um yeah. I'm, around for six I'm guessing months. you was probably yeah. just as worried as well, though, to be honest. But you had a little bit more excitement about it. Yeah, I think I think there were certainly situations. I think the situations with everything where I've I've looked back in retrospect and gone, ah, yeah, that yeah. that probably wasn't safe. So, um, can't go into too many details because um, well, we can't. Uh, but we we have had another guest who done conservation work in Africa. And yeah. it didn't go down too well, and let's leave it at that. And what? Well, he got, well, he got, yeah. he got kidnapped. He got kidnapped. Yeah, <laughs> we can say that he got kidnapped. He got kidnapped, um, he got, he got kidnapped yeah. and off. Once we obviously finished the podcast, you went into a little bit more detail because, to be honest, people don't need to be hearing these things. And I, I, I don't even know how he, he still does it. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Went through fair, a, fair play to him. Fair play. Went through a very, very, very traumatic um, experience. So you know, was you was you mindful of that at all, Hannah, when you was out there? Yeah, definitely. I think there's there's so, as you say, yes. What what happened to to that person? And um, it's something that is, yeah. The the short answer of it is yes. And I think it's working with people closely on the ground and when you get to hear their stories and I think particularly like um anti poaching units and the rangers that are, are working day in, day out, literally risking their lives for wildlife. Um and you hear some of the stories that that, that they talk to you about. Um and it it's it's chilling what what yeah. they go through. So something that we were very conscious of and that's why I think we made um, to the best of our ability, every effort to just be aware of the situation we're going into, not not be blasé about it and just be very sensitive about the situation. And particularly with the project that I did in Kenya, um, there were a couple of times that we just had to get out of get out of where we were because it, it wasn't safe. And um, we, we trusted the people that we were with um, and we, we, we got through it. And I think you just... Um, the, the people on the ground they they're very um knowledgeable and we i think in every situation you have to trust trust their their judgment and we were very very careful and sensitive um of that i mean there was one situation it wasn't actually um re, re, in 
referring to people it wasn't a people threat but we um ended up in a, a we were in a forest and we were tracking elephants and we were looking to film the, these elephants and we've been tracking them for hours and hours and hours um with the rangers that we were with and we uh actually suddenly realized that some of the tracks there were some buffalo in the tracks as well now wow. an elephant is is it can be can be dangerous um but a buffalo can really be dangerous they're a lot more i would say temperamental um anyway we, we did find the elephants eventually we were filming them and then a buffalo actually spooked an elephant and caused them to charge in our direction and um i had the camera rolling at that point and had a few choice <laughs> words to say as we would <laughs> the ranger just turned to me and said run and you could feel the ground shaking and yeah. I just, I, you just had to run. And, yeah, um, knowing you I, had to run. Um, yeah. But did you kind of get a uh, camera, uh, elephants, are uh, really good footage at uh, life. Uh, <laughs> what, what happened and where did things go and stay? <laughs> well, I'd been thinking about it before. I was like, right, what do I do? I've got a big heavy camera bag on my back. I've got a camera. Like if something actually happens, d do I let go of the bag? Well, that'll help me run faster. <laughs> actually, I do. It's kind of expensive. No, that doesn't matter. So all of this was going through my head as we were sort of getting nearer. But you don't really, I mean, again, we were following the advice. We were very, very careful. It was just an unfortunate situation that they were spooked away from us. Um, the other side of the herd, which caused them to charge towards us, um, and but no, when the when the ranger just said run, I was just like, you just run. I think my mind went <laughs> which blank. Which way? Which yeah. way do I yeah. run? Very yeah. much so. I'd and again, like, when you could feel that ground, yeah. oh. I'd have been like, leave right. the camera. If the camera survives, we have the best footage ever <laughs> in the <laughs> world. <laughs> Instead, you've just got me going, <laughs> yeah, bleep, right. run. <laughs> Amazing. So we've spoke about you being in Kenya and we're going to get to sort of like a bit more um, into sort of like what you're currently doing now. But yeah. I know when you get went back to, to when you got back from Kenya, I think your parents had moved to Scotland. Well, they they actually. Um, <laughs> thanks, mum and dad. They actually moved to Scotland when I moved to university. So we started off in Yorkshire. I went to one end of the country and they went <laughs> the complete opposite other direction. <laughs> we're for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making my commute about 15 hours to get home. I'm not sure who was getting away Ooh. from who. Um, yes, but no, they 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 live in the Highlands of Scotland now. And and what a beautiful place that is. Um, I haven't been quite um, up as high as the Highlands. Uh, I've been up to Inverness, and I've, well, I'll say the Highlands. I've climbed up Inverness. Uh, I've climbed up. Um, oh my God! I've had a complete blackout. Uh, ben Nevis and and ah. all around those areas, uh, and I absolutely fell in love with the place. Oh, yeah. so I, ben I, Nevis I, is near Fort William, and that's actually our nearest town. But we're still uh, an hour and a half um, drive from there on single tracked yeah. roads. But uh, it's it's that's our nearest supermarket. Yeah, the, the couple. <laughs> Right. The company I work for I used to do a lot of work up um up Scotland, and I used to do the two day run every month going up there, and driving across the Highlands is especially in the summer as well is just bliss. It's 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 I don't I don't even think beautiful is the right word. It's just, Did it's you just, meet the midges though? That yeah, they they can um yeah they're Get not nice. <laughs> Look, luckily, I'm, I was in a van going about 100 miles an hour with, an, with air conditioning, so uh, the midges basically, well, I, I killed a lot of them. Ah. So, it was uh, <laughs> definitely good. Okay, um, I, I, I've, I've got a really random question to ask, and I'm, I'm worried that you might have asked it already when I was um, gallivanting. Her name's Hannah. Gano. Gano. <laughs> what? 
knowing you, mate, I am guaranteeing that me and Hoss wouldn't have asked this question. No. Oh, God. <laughs> we just going... know why it's random questions. <laughs> like, mate. No, it's, it's going back a little bit on topic. Um, but ha- has there ever been a moment where you've really, really wanted to in- intervene in, in something happening with you know, animals or That's wildlife. a really good question, Danny, for you. Well done. Thanks. Thanks. You know, like, uh, for example, you know, you, you see an animal that's uh, trapped in something or, you know, it's trying to get somewhere but can't get there and you really want to intervene but you're not allowed. Has that ever happened? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because um, it's something that I, I am, well... There's a lot of situations that I think I would want to intervene. Um, so I'm lucky that uh, it's happened to me once, um, but I'm lucky that it hasn't happened a whole lot because I think that that would be something I would really, really struggle with. Yeah. Um, so the only time it did happen was when uh, I was filming Wildebeest giving birth, um, and uh, which in itself is amazing. And actually a calf got stuck once and the mum was walking around for 20 minutes with a calf half out. And, and I'd like to say it was slightly comical. It did come out eventually. So it was, it was fine. Um, but no, there was another a baby wildebeest that um, had got separated from its mum and it was running out into the plains. So uh, again, it's just something that happens. The predators out there will probably have got it. Um, it wouldn't have been right for us to try and herd it back. In fact, it probably would have scared it more. But I think I, I, I think the soft, sentimental side of me was like, "Oh no, that baby's going." <laughs> yeah. um, like, I think uh, I think one side one side of me would have been like, "Okay, well that's you know nature's way." Um, you know, obviously that's an easy meal for another predator. That's that's fine. Yeah. On the other hand, I'd have been like. Uh, okay. yeah. Can we, can we just drive? Yeah, I'm not going to hurt it. We just drive over there. Can and I just throw just... a rock in front of it or something yeah. that scares well, it back this way? Well, well, this was this was years and years ago. Probably, probably about seven seven years ago. My my parents got a place in Walshpool, and you can either go all the way around or you can kind of go through this like farmer's road dirt thing, and it cuts mm-hmm. like two miles off the journey. So, you know, so I'm in my car, going down this road, and a lot of the locals use this road, and there's this little lamb, and he's just like, not in his own field, he's really spooky now, he doesn't know what to do. So I go, you know what, sod it, I'm going to uh, get out of my car, and I'm going to grab him. And then I thought, right, okay, well, I've got this lamb, I can't just put him in a field, because he might not belong to that field. So he's got a little tag on his ear, let's go knock on the farm, and let's see who the sheep belongs to. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't just want to, like, put someone else's lamb in someone else's field. You know what I mean? That's, like, you know, going to cause all <laughs> sorts of, you know, psychological issues with lost sheep. <laughs> um, and it turns out it was all good and gravy. And he actually thanked me for doing it. But, like, at the same time, like, should I... Have, okay, and this was a, a domesticated sheep, but should I have intervened? Because at the end of the day, like, it's got out. I could have caused more harm by picking it up. I could have picked it up incorrectly. I could have got Maybe. bitten. I've watched black sheep. <laughs> sheep aren't nice. Um, they are. They're fine. No, have you watched black sheep? Uh, no, I think I think because it's de- I think it's, it's as it's domesticated. Then then yeah, I wouldn't even think twice to interfere. Yeah, but in the wild, it's a whole different matter, isn't it? Hundred I mean, percent. Um, like Hannah says, um, that that wildebeest, that baby wildebeest, has separated from its mum for whatever reason, but. 
that is nature's way, isn't it? There's a reason that's happened. You, you know intervene, I mean? Danny. You could be uh, depriving some, you know, young cheaters of their first meal. Do you know exactly. what I mean? So that, that, that could potentially already be stalking it. You, you have yeah. no one. You know, you have absolutely no idea. Do you also, know, do you, you could even put yourself in a lot of danger as well for anything that might be watching it. Do you know it's a classic. It's the circle of life. Yeah, yeah. and and do you know what the way my my thought process would be if it was man-made a uh, man-made issue, I think we should intervene. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, whether yeah, we well, think like whether it's a trap or something <clears throat> like that. Then. Yeah, I mean, you see things like um, uh, the uh, sea turtle uh, conservationists or whatever they you, you know help help them out with nets and fishing lines and. Uh, bits of plastic and stuff that they've got caught up in or have been caught up in them um and obviously you know they intervene with that every time you know that's that's what they do <clears throat> so yeah i think if it's man-made or it's our fault in any way then i think it's actually our duty to you know at least try mm, and, and fix that but. absolutely and on the on the point of sea turtles sorry i did because I, I volunteered for a sea turtle conservation project for six mm. weeks and the the amount of plastic on the beaches the the fishing gear that was caught up in their flippers mm -hmm. was um shocking and i i agree with the whole man-made mm -hmm. um situation and and if we've had an impact on it then i think that it we're we can step in to try and rectify it and make it right you probably don't know hannah um is, when host starts talking <laughs> he um he, he starts yawning i'm a big guy and i use a lot of oxygen all right <laughs> so so hannah just going back to your story sorry host oh, see he's gonna i about to move it forward oh, so you can't even, even, use, you can't even use traffic as your excuse I am, this time i am i am moving it forward because what i'm saying is then when you got back home <laughs> you spent a bit of time with your parents and then you decided you're really gonna sort of like push on um as as um um working film films with nature um so what what happened sort of like when you got back when you started to sort of like research position yeah so um got back from kenya and um obviously i'd finished university so um had nowhere i went, I went home um and i stayed up in scotland for sort of a few months i worked at the local pub um and uh, just spent so, sort of some time at home i hadn't had that for for quite a long time um but I got out back in around the March and then come the August, I decided that, no, I want I wanted to pursue a, film, a wildlife film career. Uh, and it, it wasn't something that I felt I could do from where I was. There's so many opportunities and things to film up in Scotland. But for the, for the role and the production um, sort of direction that I was going, I, I needed I needed to move. And Bristol is very much the hub of wildlife television. Um, yeah. So I literally made, I saw actually a, a room become available on Facebook on, on a page that I followed and it said that it was available for a month in Bristol. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. So I packed up wow. and I moved to Bristol. I didn't know anybody here in Bristol. Um, I had this room for a month. I didn't have a job. Um, and I just sort of had my savings to to pay for the rent. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to get there and I'm going to see see what happens. Wow, um, life-changing um, decision, <laughs> or what? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I barely said goodbye to pe to my family. I just sort of said, you know what, I'll probably be back in a month. Um, and I know I certainly, I turned up in Bristol and um, 
I, I told a couple of people of what I was going to do and they were like, no, you're insane. No, no, don't do that. No. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't um, seem, so if you came to me, we were, we were friends and you were going to say, right, okay, so I've got no job, uh, but I'm just going to go down here and I'm going to try and be um, a wildlife, you know, movie maker or documentary maker. <laughs> I'd be just like, love, you're on crack. What are you know, doing? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, I reckon like a lot you, of people thought you that. Do you, you do you, and whatever you need to do, go out and do it, and I'm 100% behind you. But um, being an extra on the next series of Breaking Bad might be a better option. <laughs> That's why, Hush, you're growing vegetables in your mum and dad's house, and uh, Hannah's uh, travelling around the world <laughs> <laughs> and recording Aww. animals. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, but, but when, when... when Coronavirus carries on. And, oh, I know and you've got no food, and you go, Dan, Hoss, can I have a cause yet? I'm be like, yeah, you can have one. <laughs> Shove it up your ass. <laughs> it's a hundred pound. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so once you got there, then Hannah, how, how did what did you do? How did you start? You know, networking. Net- yeah. yeah, networking. Well. So I think something, again, I'll tribute this to my parents. My parents have always told me just work hard and you'll, you'll, you'll get where you want to go and, um, or at least you'll try. You, it doesn't matter whether you fail as long as you've tried. Um, so like, again, going back a bit, my first expedition sort of thing I ever did was when I was 16 and um, it was sort of something through, through school, but um, I wanted to raise the money myself. So my dad helped me like buy a bunch of magnets and I sold them on the weekend until I'd raised enough money to then go. So it's something where like, again, it was a big change. And I think a lot of people did think you're crazy for going, but at the same time, it was, it was a risk that I was going to take because why not? <laughs> Let's just yeah. give it a go. Um, and then actually it was a really, it was a really strange once in a lifetime situation that got me my first job. So I arrived in Bristol on uh, the Tuesday and I sort of spent the first few days just figuring out, trying not to get lost. Where am I? Um, and I wrote my CV and I thought, you know what, next week I'm going to ping it out. I'm just going to ping it out to as many people as, as I can um, and see what happens. But then that weekend, um, I don't know whether any of you know Bristol that well, but there's something called the Bristol Balloon Fiesta. Yeah, no, well. Yeah. Ah, well, that was happening that weekend. So on the Sunday, um, I'd got someone that lived down south was coming in for it. So I said, oh, I'll meet you at it. So I was going to meet a friend at the Bloom Fiesta. So I set off from from my my room that I was renting um, in the aim of getting a bus. And I missed the bus Um, got a bit lost. Uh, managed to get on a bus got off the bus looking for this balloon fiesta um, and got completely lost in some like underground type place I, I, I don't know where I was um, <laughs> and I saw a couple walking with two young kids and I thought oh okay they look friendly I might ask for directions um, so I approached them to ask if they knew where this balloon fiesta was and they they said they were going so if I wanted to come with them I, I could so I walked with them and we we got chatting and they asked what brought me to Bristol and I was very la di da it was a beautiful sunny day I was like la 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 well I want to do this la 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 um, and then as we got closer the lady actually turned around to me and said ah well actually I'm a producer and I've got a job I think you'd be perfect for no yeah so- talk about fight what? Definitely. So as I, so she said, if you want to come in on um, Tuesday, we'll have a meeting. So oh I pushed the baby in the pram while she put her email into my phone. Um, <laughs> and did we, we parted ways. Did at any point you think, 
She's having me at it. Ain't that stupid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, I was like, this, this just seems surreal. And I think mm-hmm. at the time I was thinking, wow, I'm so lucky. And I, I told someone afterwards what happened because I, I did go and meet her on the Tuesday and they offered me the job on the spot. And I actually started the next Monday um, at this independent production company. Um, but I did think wow I've been lucky and a few people said gosh I'm gonna go and start hanging around bus stops I was like maybe maybe don't do that Um, you say you say lucky Hannah but it was you who had the guts to get up and to move down there take your savings you know and 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 risk that so it's how you've come across as well so there's that there's many people um who talk the talk who want to do this and want to do that and you can kind of get a you can get a grasp of how they talk to whether they're a genuine person and how or what their morals are regarding what they want to do. Um, you obviously came across really well, like a nice, genuine person that you were keen. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to give you the opportunity. If you'd have come across yeah. like an absolute numpty, <laughs> she'd have just let you put, carry on pushing the push chair, got you there and gone, could have helped her. Yeah. But she's a bit of a muffin, yeah. aren't she? This is this is this is why we're still hosting this dead end. I can't <laughs> help it. I, I let us down every week. Is that my fault? Nah, I've this born, is I've great, this, guys. I've borne this way. <laughs> yeah, we just the thing is though, if that we if we ever have this opportunity, I'm not quite sure there's a time late enough in the evening to put us on. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, like, like, we are, do you know what? If I'm honest with you, it's the best you two have been behaved for a long, long time tonight. Oh, you can't, you can't even say that. I haven't been here for ninety percent of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Hannah, obviously, yeah. you got this amazing job, you know, in amazing circumstances. What, what type of work was you, was you doing with the, with this company? So, as a researcher, so it's my first um job as a researcher. So it's just working at this independent production company. Um, and it, it was great. I think, I think I, I'll be the first one to hold my hands up and say that, um, I, I, I'll, I'm learning every day in everything that I do. And, and I love, um, to, to learn from people and I learned a heck of a lot. And I was very, very grateful that they gave me the opportunity, especially in the circumstances, um, that they did, but they, they saw me, they gave me a chance and, uh, yeah, I worked at that production company for, uh, Gosh, from August till about March, um, and, and and when you say you was you was a researcher, yeah, uh, you know, I know you was obviously research, but what type of what what was what was your day what was you doing day to day researching what? So it was a bit different from um, especially the job that, the job that I do now. It was working on a sort of web platform for wildlife um, films, yeah. so it's not it's not come out yet, um, uh, so I can't talk too much about it. Oh, but it okay, was, yeah, it, no, that's it fine. Was, yeah, but it was making it sort of wait, making a a kind of Netflix, but for wildlife um, okay. television. It was more for you know people who are, are interested in animals and uh, you know giving them other ideas of which way you know when they leave school you know that they they could they could kind of yeah just a, a platform for 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 wildlife and I think one of the things that um I concentrated on was trying to find ways of bringing people in that maybe weren't. Um, your normal target audience and and finding interesting ways and I think that's that's the key thing with all wildlife television that it shouldn't be aimed at people that are already converted it's about finding ways of making it exciting and engaging for for everyone on on about Netflix um, I was uh, sitting on the sofa earlier with my two-year-old daughter trying to find something to keep her entertained before I headbutted a wall because she was doing my absolute Sweden Um, (laughs) have you come across 
absurd is it absurd animals Ab- absurd planet it's a Netflix no original. i haven't um okay it's based around kids and it's like there's a, uh, there's a scene in it where there's a mudskipper and it's like oh my mudskipper and i'm in the mud but it's like proper high definition footage and i'm pretty sure i'm not looked into it but the, the bloke at the start imitates David Attenborough, and it's an awful, awful impression. Um, but you can see where they're going with it. And it's all for the kids, and it's all very funny and whatnot. And I hope that he's someone imitating it, and then I haven't just offended Mike's granddad. Um, yeah. But um, it's, it's really, really... It's, 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 it's the first time I've seen a real high-quality documentary aimed at two-year-olds. It's wicked. So you you just mentioning David Attenborough, um, Hannah. You probably don't know that he's my long lost granddad. Um, I had a picture of him by the side of my bed as a as a kid, and my mum used to say, you know, that's your that's your long lost granddad. Yeah, asking um, asking well, who's long lost granddad on the other side is as well. Who is it? No, Nigel Marvin's my uncle, mate. <laughs> not, my, my, not my granddad. He's not old enough to be my granddad. But um, but I, 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 we're going li- to jump off topic a little bit here, Hannah, because sure. <clears throat> we have mentioned. Um, but I'm getting uh, conscious of time, um, mate. Sorry, gotta go. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Don't you dare do that. I will. I will. <laughs> String him up. <laughs> um, uh, so. Um, the absolute god in in my house and so many others, which is the Sir David Attenborough. Yeah. We we uh, you've met him, haven't you? Oh, I I have, but um, very briefly, and um, I have to say, I I I yeah, no. If I could go back, I would have done it slightly differently. Right, go on, go on. Right, this, this, this sounds good. We need we need every detail. This, this all right. Just to let you know, right, I'm writing the time down. This is going to be the intro of the podcast. Oh <laughs> no, no, it's 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 not that exciting. But I have to say, I with, with the with this job, I have to work with um, or I I'm lucky to work with quite a few high profile people, and I'd like to say that I'm 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 calm and chilled, and everyone's a person. Um, but I have to say, I actually I did meet David Attenborough, but it was when he opened up a museum in my hometown uh, of Wakefield, and yeah. it was just before I was going to university. So I'd I'd found out that I'd been accepted to do zoology, and um, it was the summer before I left, and I think I was waiting in the queue because I was going to meet him, mm-hmm. and um, everything sensible in my head just left the moment I saw him <laughs> or like was speaking to him and I think I just babbled something along the lines very generic of I'm gonna do zoology and I see your shows and hi and that was it and it was just so like can you do me a really big favor yes you need to repeat what I'm about to say hi oh my, my name is oh. Hannah Pollock and when I met Sir okay. David Attenborough I flapped <laughs> I'm not afraid to I'm not blah that's the wrong thing I'm not embarrassed to say that yes my name is Hannah Pollock and when I met David Attenborough I flapped just a little a little <laughs> I I am being genuinely honest now and I, I I don't think it will ever happen I don't think I'll ever meet him right but if it does I promise you I won't be able to talk I will just cry Hundred percent. I, I, I think I'll spend the whole conversation picking my jaw up. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put ten pound on this right now. I reckon, I reckon you'd hit the deck. Who me? Yeah, I reckon you'd just. Like, 
Just pass out. No, I wouldn't. I just, I just, I just, I'd be trying to ask him so many things, and and I just wouldn't be able to get the words out because I'd, be, <laughs> you know, I'd just be crying. See, I, just, I, like, I absolutely like adore the code, code, wouldn't it? See, I, just well, I, I have there. to say that there was there was a moment though. I think I've turned it around a little bit, and I'd like to say I'm a lot calmer now. Um, I still think he's amazing, but um, I was at an event where we'd done some. Uh, bicycle cinema screenings so the bicycle cinema that we used in Africa we also then brought to Bristol and, and did some um, screenings around Bristol and he was part of this event that it was for and I remember in his closing speech of the event um, and he was talking in the way he does talking about everything that had happened and then he mentioned and we've even had bicycle powered cinemas and I was like uh, yes that's oh, me <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Did right. you did you did you squeal a little bit when you met Steve Bagshaw as well? Oh, Steve is lovely. Well, I actually I met um it's a funny one actually because I uh first saw Steve at one of the live and deadly events. So like I say, I, I grew up watching Deadly Sixty and I was one of the, the people um that went along to his shows that, that happened around the UK. So I saw him then. Um, but then I actually first met him when he came to the university and I was an editor of a wildlife magazine that we did at the university. So we got to um, interview him. So I first interviewed him when I was at university. Um, and then wow. he because he, he went to the University of Exeter. So he kept coming back to do a few talks. And then it's just um, how I guess fate has ended up. And I ended up working on a couple of things with him um, before applying for the Deadly 60 job. And then uh, when I got that, I sort of sent him a message saying, hi. Um, uh, remember me. Remember me. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so, when, so when Steve comes on this show, um, which, oh, which yeah. he obviously he's going to, isn't he? Um, <laughs> um, is, how, many, how many embarrassing stories has he got of you? Just don't go there. Steve, if you are listening to this, um, it is your moral obligation to come onto mm -hmm. Reptile and Chill and mm -hmm. ruin Hannah just as much oh, as she's about no. to ruin you. Because I'm <laughs> obviously going out into the sticks and filming this, that and the other. And whilst we don't want to talk about Steve too much, um, <laughs> because it's your show, you've got to have some dirt, some silly things that he's done. Surely there's at least one thing you can tell us. Oh man! If, if there's loads, <laughs> then like, don't choose one. Tell us all of them, like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not really. He, I have to say, Steve is is incredible. He's his knowledge is amazing, and we can be going in the middle of a forest, and we'll come across a species of some sort, um, and he'll just know exactly what it is and be able to tell you all about it. I think he 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 is incredible. Um, gosh. <laughs> I I'm not taking this. I don't think this is true. I reckon she's got loads. She just <laughs> yeah, I, I, reckon he, I reckon he's there right now looking at her. <laughs> <laughs> giving, him, giving him evils, yeah. yeah. Guys, can I just say, right, how how long do you think Deadly Sixty's been going for? Uh about as 16 old as years. No, no, it's, no it's, it's sixteen. It's gotta be yeah. oh, 10, 12 years. So it's actually 11 years next month, May 2009. Oh, that's, that's incredible. Aww, that's that party. <clears throat> uh, and well, if we're, we're, we're not invited to the, the, the party. <clears throat> we we so are invited. It's, uh, it's, it's a virtual <laughs> party. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a bloody um, virtual party, isn't it? My, uh, hosted, hosted by Reptile and Chill. Yes. Well, my cousin will be there, won't he, Steve? 
yeah, granddad. <laughs> and granddad, he'll be there as well. Yeah, I'll get them all in. I'll get the family in. Nigel's. What about your uncle? Yeah, Nigel washing his hair that day, he won't be there. <laughs> so, so, so what what was it like then? So you've grown you've grown up watching this this fine specimen of, of a man on TV. You've been given this opportunity. You've been working with this this film film crew, and all of a sudden you're you're the second is it second camera person? Yeah. 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 Is it camera person, cameraman, camera lady? What's what's the correct term? Oh, whatever you'd like, really. Right. I say camera up because it covers person. everything. Yeah, cool. camera crew is fine. Cool. So, <laughs> and you're about to work for this bloke for the first time. And I've seen some of the behind-the-scenes photos where you're basically behind him with your rig and he's on his boat talking away and you're sitting there filming. What's that like? Because, like, I, I, I'd have fell out the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... it. it it was uh, totally fine. I mean, I because I met him when I was first at university and I'd met him a few times through then. And then I had done another few little jobs um, for him. And like he did a, uh, a a piece for the one show where him and his wife, Helen, kayaked from Devizes to Westminster, which is a 125 mile kayak race, which was yeah. amazing. Um, and I helped as part of that. Um, so I'd done a few things with him before. I'd obviously not spent a full two weeks um, with him or the rest of the crew um, so I was excited to just sort of uh, experience that I think because we're such a small crew everyone gets to know each other really well and um, well we, we were lucky that everyone's nice so we all got on well oh, um, but obviously when you're in these uh, remote places um, it's yeah you've, you've, it, I think we were very very lucky with the crew and I think Steve is lovely and he um, like I say, he's so knowledgeable with the wildlife. He's been doing Deadly 60 for, like you say, 11 years. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone's very, we've got a job to do at the end of the day. And we're very, we're all very aware of how lucky we are to be in the situations that we're in. Um, so I think, yeah, like you say, so with the second camera, um, it's sort of my job to capture the crew. So I'll often be filming the camera up and the main camera up and Steve and then the sound man if something funny happens. So um, like a cheetah went for the sound man's boom in South Africa and I, I got his reaction. He was not happy. Um, so I'm sort of capturing everything. And then if the cam main camera operator goes on to um, the animal as a close-up, then I'll turn on and I'll get the sync from Steve. So I'll turn into the the um camera on him at that point so it's it's all sort of a bit of a juggling act and again i'm very lucky that the camera main camera operators i were with were lovely and he, uh that person and me just have to sort of um juggle between us it was funny with them um, the shoots actually because i was the only girl on two of the shoots um and that that was funny because just situations where you're in the middle of a forest and you all know if you're a the guy wild, you can just the like wild way. Yeah, it happens to us all. Well, <laughs> I would cross I've, my legs. <laughs> I've, had, I've, had, I've had a poo in a forest before. If you're going to put it out there, oh, it's, 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 it's perfectly normal oh. and natural. And when you've got to go, you've got to go. I've known you for all of an hour and a half, and I'm glad that we've got to this amount of detail so quickly. <laughs> well, you know, I'm pretty sure David Attenborough has had a poo in the forest before. I should imagine he has. Hundred yeah, percent. Exactly. The first, the first time I had to take a poo in the back of my van was traumatic. 
It's a daily occurrence now. <laughs> no, no, I can't. No, I haven't done it since. It's so traumatic. It, it literally messed my head up. For was life. was I'm scarred. Was the van still moving? <laughs> no, luckily, no. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> oh man, right, okay. So we're at one hour twenty. So many questions. No, no, we're fine. We're fine. We're, we're I, I want to know. Hush, don't even start talking about time. This is too. <laughs> 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 I've got a few. I've got a few questions. How many I'm, more questions what? have you got? Because I need to sleep only, at some point tonight. Only, only exactly. forty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've only got a few, and it's really to, for people to get a feel about what it's like um, doing what you're doing now. So you're, we know you're part of a crew and it's, a, I mean, it's a fab, I mean, you must pinch yourself and think, I can't believe this is real. You know, what an amazing, amazing job. There is other sides to it where, you know, you're away for long periods of time, but could you just give us a little bit of an overview about your sort of like day to day? Do you prep before you go out? Does that take a couple of weeks? Then you, you know where you're going to go. You look what you, you get people, uh, locals that are there that are going to give you information, meet them and then go out there and record and then come back and edit it or how does all that work yeah absolutely so um it is like you say in the pictures that you'll have seen on instagram a lot of it is the crew and that's that's us in the field but that is actually a very very small amount of time of what goes into it and we've got a crew back in the office that um are amazing and, and are doing all of the setup and that's where my job role with deadly 60 was very much split so the second camera um, was very much my role on location but I was fundamentally the researcher as well so I did have a big um, the majority of my time is in the office uh, so yeah there's so much prep before a shoot everything from working out a what you're going to be filming where you're going to be going the health and safety with that the logistics the flights the um all of that it takes so much time and, and researching the animals then you do the filming um and then when you come back again, then the editing process is very long. And again, with Deadly 60, it's very much a juggling act because you'll be prepping for one shoot while you're editing the one that went out before. There may be a shoot and it's a lot of working out um, your timings and, and getting all that right. But it's certainly a very, very long process um, from from start to finish. And I think a lot of the time you just see that the, the two weeks that we were in the field, but actually there's perhaps a year that's gone into preparing for those two weeks to, to give us the best opportunity of seeing what, what we were hoping to film. Mike, can you can you imagine writing a method statement for going out to film rhinos or something like yeah. that? Yeah, oh, mate, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, risk assessments and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, gosh, well, there's a funny story with that, actually, when I was filming a rhino, if you wanted something. Yeah. It was the very first shoot that I, I went on with Deadly 60. And we were filming, they were baby rhinos, but they were quite big baby rhinos. And um, one started coming towards me rather quickly. And I was backing off very quickly. And I, I don't even know if I maybe broke into a bit of a jog. But all I heard in the background was, keep filming. They can yeah. be, um, well, apparently, they can be quite playful, can't they? The, the youngsters. And, yeah. and, and, you know, although... <laughs> It might be playful to them. It's pretty intimidating yeah, to it's, us. It's I imagine when they're twice your you know size. I mean, if that catches up to you, it's like getting hit with a truck, regardless of whether it's a baby or not. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and then the parents going to get involved yeah, as well. Man, so a question, a question I've got for you, and I'm going to read yeah. this how it says it on my notepad. It says, "Crew, oh God. how big? How that big is, is the crew? Is, that, well, no, no, it, it literally say, says, crew, how big? Uh, you can interpret that, and I." Um, <laughs> 
So when, from, yeah, I don't want to know ex- what you ex- meant by exactly. that. <laughs> um, it's all gone downhill. Um, so when you obviously, I'm not talking about like your editing teaming or the research and that kind of thing. But when you're off out in Africa for a shoot, what is the crew? How many people and what are their job roles? So there's five of us. So you have Steve as the presenter. You have a director. Yeah. and you have the main camera operator yeah. you've got a sound recordist and then there's me so I'll do the second camera and I'll do the researchers so I'll be working mostly with the director on the the research sort of um uh, editorial side of the the show yeah. and then with the camera operator so there's five of us and then um if we're working with people on the ground whether that's another scientist or a fixer then then They'll they'll increase, but fundamentally, there's five of us. Okay, and I should imagine the longer that you work with those people, and the, and the tighter you become, you sort of like become in sync with each other. You spoke mm-hmm. about you know if a cameraman jumps over to one shot, you'll automatically then just be in switch sync with him and switch, yeah. Uh, yeah, and switch onto Steve. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I can tell by the end of the shooting that um, it I was getting I was having I was different the way I was shooting depending on who I was with and and mm. um, that. Yeah. So, so so I imagine the first the first camera is is sort of focused on Steve, and yep. then the second camera is like you know when you sort of see it on on TV you know when it switches angles and you and you get like a close up of the animal instead you that's the second camera is it i guess no so the, if if you suddenly see um a close up close up of the animal that's probably the camera operator has um changed onto um that animal and then i will have gone on to sync with steve so oh, okay. um very often he the main camera is yeah as you say focused on steve but then if he's like talking about said animal um the second camera is there sort of as a um like like a backup (laughs) yeah and a backup so that i've got sort of more of a wider shot but then if he's going onto an animal that's about to strike there's a particular sequence um when we had a an african rock python and it struck the boom um and i think it was that moment when uh it cuts to the second camera who's got the wider shot because it gets everybody's reactions in which is often quite funny and particularly with children's um tv well actually in any tv i think it's it's what people are always interested to see the the kind of the behind the scenes of it so um and the reactions and yeah. the agreements, yeah. yeah definitely yeah. and and say so, there's the five of you on the on the team Obviously, yeah. your your audio audio person, whatever the technical name for his job, the sound recorder, yeah, and then your director. Is the, are you all very strict to your roles? Is Steve just the pre- presenter, or do you kind of all help each other and muck, and muck in a little bit as well? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we 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 all help. Um, there was there was a moment in when we were filming in Gabon where, due to restrictions on filming gorillas, we were only allowed to take four people. So we had to, at that point, work out what we were going to do with that. And and I and left, I left you, Steve. Steve, you can stay there. We've got this. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do it now. Hello. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Every, everyone works together. And I think every, everybody's main aim is to get a good show. So, um, yeah, every, everyone sort of mucks in and does what they can to, to make it happen. See, guys, um, guys, it's not just me who've got to do all the editing and all the <laughs> stuff. You guys can help as well. Danny, that's all he's got, isn't it? That's all he can make <laughs> editing. Look, I've, to- I've told you. I, I want you guys to take over so I can start my elaborate harem pant business. <laughs> that's fine. Do you know what? After after tonight's interview, mate, you can go. We're bringing Hannah into the show. No, no, Me, no, Danny no, and no, Hannah. No. 
Look, 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 look. <laughs> look. She's a camera operative, right? And you're really ugly. Like, it's not going to work, mate. It's not about being ugly, mate. It's about having, you know, distinctive features. <laughs> we'll leave, we'll leave that you on know, there. yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to say that. On that note, on that bombshell. On, 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 on that note, I'm being conscious of time. No, um, yeah. I've I'm, only got 46 left, mate. Because you keep on asking questions. <laughs> You've got no. 46, I've got 39. How, how many have you got? I'm minus 47. <laughs> uh, uh, Hannah, I just wanted to ask, um, and I've only got a couple of questions on a, on a serious note, Hoss, so so calm calm yourself down. A <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you mentioned there about going into the field for two weeks. Is that to one location, or will you research and get everything ready and then literally go from location to location to location within that two weeks? It completely varies. So in South Africa, we were in the within the two weeks, we moved to 11 different locations. So we were moving every day. Um, in Africa, though? No, sorry, just within South oh, Africa. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, for all shoots, they, we would go out for two weeks and then it's, it is one country. So, for example, with the Ecuador shoot, we spent one week by the coast and we did marine species. And then we spent a week in the jungle and we did our jungle episode. So um, everything's got to be conscious with time and air travel and money and, and, and that. So we'll, with, with this show, um, it's, it's very much, yeah, we'll, we'll get what we can and plan it out so that it's um, as sort of compact as, as, as possible. If you need anyone to like figure out like the time scales and stuff like that, Hoss is your man. He is always conscious of time. Always conscious of time. <laughs> like, and do you know what I'm really impressed with, Danny? Yeah. You haven't asked for a job yet. <laughs> no, because um, <laughs> it's because um, I've already been offered one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> yeah. He, 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 Danny, but thing is, though, you're not very good at making tea. That's true. I'm actually terrible at making tea. If you like coffee, though, I'm your man. Yeah, but the job title Ooh. is tea maker. Was that another <laughs> to coffee? Is, is that a fiver each uh, to me and uh, you? Or? Uh, Hannah, uh, did, did you just err uh, at coffee? I said, ooh, no, I like coffee. Okay, oh, honest to God, okay. like... I was about to press delete and just the whole thing was going to go then. I'll take it. I'll take the job. <laughs> I tell you what, actually, when um, one of the camera operators, and I think Steve did once, um, brought a mini coffee maker thing, like a little uh, on, on location. I tell you what, when you're in the middle of the jungle and you barely got any anything of anything, um, that was pretty good. That was that leads me on to one of my last questions. It, yeah. When you're out there, what what what's your accommodation like? Do you stay in some hotels? Do you stay out in the field, or or, or can it vary? I don't know. Oh, uh, again, it completely varies. Um, try and keep cost like if you're trying to keep costs low, then um, it, again, it it can completely vary. Um, for us in in uh, Gabon, we were in tents. So yeah, it just depends on where you are um, and yeah. where where you're moving a lot. But no tents is is quite um, usual. Does, does each does each um, does each program or each shoot you go on um, vary in in budget? Um, uh, ish, you just have a set budget. 
So there's a set budget, but it depends on where you go. So some some countries are more expensive than others. Yeah. Um, and it's just a case of, of balancing it up. So as a whole, the series will have a particular budget that you, you try and keep within. Oh, I know we are short of time, but I've got one story that I could say. It's not actually about Deadly 60, but it is about working in the field. And it's Do like it. the worst Do moment it. of my life. Just, just ignore Hoss being conscious of time. And you, just, sorry, you, you just carry on. You I'm, just carry I'm not, on. I'm not conscious. I'm, wor- I'm worried about time now. <laughs> oh, no. no it's really quick okay so i'd say i'm pretty good with wildlife like i don't mind roughing it or whatever like i i'm I'm good with that but there was one moment when i was in um malawi and we were in tents and there was like an outdoor shower um which again is fine um and i've been filming all day it was a long day or whatever and it was nightfall so i went for a shower and i had my head torch on so i was showering as you do and I don't know whether you know, but termites, all of a sudden, if there's been rains, can just like get their wings and go into flight. Mm-hmm. And they chose that specific moment that I was in the shower to do this. <laughs> and then Strike I don't know. Head torch. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you can pitch this right now, but yes, the head torch, hundreds of well, thousands of termites going straight for the head torch. And they were just sticking to me, and I screamed. And it, I tell you, it was the worst moment ever. And I turned off the light, and then I couldn't see to get back to my tent. And I was like, it was horrible. So, so um, so on, right, okay. it's working in the let, field let, for you. Let's compare this. Did I know, you, I did know you f- these questions, Hoss. <laughs> yeah, did you flap more then? Or when you met Sir David Attenborough. <laughs> I thought more then. It was that then. Then that was not a very nice moment. <laughs> it's not all glamour. Okay, TV so is if, not all glamorous. Anyone is any good at animation and wants to make a meme of Hannah Pollock oh, flapping no. with termites flying everywhere <laughs> whilst in the shower. But please keep it decent. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm willing to pay for that. Oh no, this could turn bad. Put a towel yeah. around me. And if and if, <laughs> if one of your producers is uh, watching and would like to have that image as well, to possibly air it on the B- BBC at some point. Whoa! Um, <laughs> Don't put ideas out there. It's not an idea. It's 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 in motion already. Now it's done. <laughs> it's a pit. Yeah, man. Um, I know the, the, mate, I didn't get to do my news piece right, but oh. I want Hannah to be involved in this. I'm not. I'm not going to go on too much, oh. okay? But <clears> how I just warm want... it is in this room. I've got reptiles near. The windows closed. The fans off, and I'm fat. <laughs> I, I, I've got one thing to say. Your your reptiles tank should not be on at this time of night. No. Yeah, turn them off. They're, they're turn off. them off. They're, they're off. off, but it, it's just ambiently really stuffy. <laughs> Open the window. The traffic is not an excuse. Um, because I, it's not. I, I did have two things. Um, I, I'm going to salute Captain Tom Moore for what he's done recently. Um, I did have a pig piece to say about Tom. Um, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to save that till next week. But whilst we've been recording the show, um, a friend of ours, Hannah, who's actually doing uh, rhino conservation out in in Africa. Uh, Daryl Lott, he's he's been on the show and and told us all about it. It's fantastic what he's doing out there. Um, he's messaged us and and he said that he's going to be doing a raffle um, to raise money for the conservation part that he's been working with. Um, because of coronavirus, it's really hit them hard. Something that we don't think about, but they're not getting the tourists over there, so they're not getting any money, no funds. So 
he's going to be doing a raffle. So we'll put something into that raffle, guys, um, as, as a prize. But I just wanted to give it a shout out that look out for the raffle that uh, that Daryl Lott's um, going to be doing. Because it's for a fantastic cause. And if you haven't checked out that podcast as well, please go and listen to it. Um, Daryl is an absolute legend. Um, he comes across really well, knowledgeable bloke. Really good, really good. But he's frogs, isn't he? Frogs was his main thing. Um, frogs, yeah. Sold yeah, his just, collection to go out to Africa and um, and and yeah, help save the uh, the rhinos that are that are being killed over yeah, there. But yeah, yeah, he always keeps updated with uh, loads of crazy little videos and um, zebras in his bathroom. That that did make me laugh. That did. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a crazy zebra over there, Hannah, that keeps on chasing him. <laughs> like, 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 I, I like food, right? But this zebra loves Daryl more than I like food. Like in a, in a cute way or a scary zebra's um, chasing like, kind of way? It's a cute way for the zebra, not for Daryl. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I, I think we need like a, a little zebra restraining order. It's a bit, <laughs> yeah, it's getting a bit weird now. But, um, is, have you got any more questions, Michael? Oh, do you know what? I could go on all night, Hannah. I, I honestly could. There's so many things that I could ask you, um, as we all could, really. But I know, you know, we have got to wrap things up shortly. I'm going to just say, I've looked through, obviously, on, I follow you on Instagram, um, and you take some absolutely amazing photos. Uh, you're really lucky and been to some absolutely extraordinary places. Um, the one photo, and you're stood um uh, with the northern lights just literally above you and it's just absolutely amazing i just wanted to ask what that was like that was incredible and actually that was um so we with with norway because the um the time of year that we we left there weren't many hours of daylight so our sort of sleeping pattern was in and out all, it was all over the place um but actually we'd heard that there was supposed to be good northern lights that night and myself and um the producer ruth uh we were sharing a room in in the place that we were in and we were the only two out of the five that had never seen the northern lights so everyone went to sleep and she and i we couldn't sleep because we were thinking i wonder if they're out there Let, let's just go and have a look so she and i got out of our beds and um, we only had about three hours to sleep as well so this this was cutting into major sleep time but it was so worth it because she and I um went out and sort of started walking up the the hill and we could see them and we were like oh my goodness that's it that's them yeah. so um, we wanted to take a, a picture but with taking the northern lights you have to have sort of a long shutter speed and you need a tripod now the tripod that the camera up had was locked on the boat at the time that we were using for filming so I went back to the sort of accommodation that we were in and it was kind of like an Airbnb um, and I found a child's high chair so I put the high that, chair that works. in it yeah it did I put the high chair in a sled and took my um like thermal bottoms to to stuff and like make a sort of platform and then with the sled she and I like hiked again up the hill and then we each took turns to sort of stand in front um with the northern lights and she was actually um pregnant at the time and we were told that if you stand in the northern lights then you'll have a beautiful baby and she has had her baby now and it is beautiful so wow. um 
no it was a very good moment and we went back the next day and showed the boys and they were like what wow yeah because Um, you know it's look at the draw some people spend thousands and thousands of pounds and don't get to see them you know you've just got to be there in the the right time right place and very lucky and the next night we took the boys we went with the 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 guys and um we filmed a sequence which was shown in the show that came out a few weeks ago is it's on bbc iplayer but our norway episode and it is unbelievable and the local people said they'd never seen it so clear we were very very lucky and it was just wow. beautiful it was very magical incredible so it's been absolutely just that has been fantastic having you on it's been a pleasure um, absolute pleasure yeah, and listening it's all good and well like you know steve's a really good bloke really cool show but to hear you know the the other side of it and the crew and how it all works and whatnot that's uh it's nice it's, it's nice um, so before we, we're not going to, normally we, we say we're going to boot the person off into infinity. We're not going to boot you off into infinity. We're going to leave this night. <laughs> or oblivion. Or oblivion. Um, uh-huh. Is there anything that you would like to say? Uh, any final words or any advice or a quote? Promote, or anything, promote the yeah, show or anything. anything. Yeah. I, think, I think something that I just think is really, really important. And I, I think I've talked a lot in this podcast about how... Um, we're lucky and and I love my job and 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 all those different things and we've we've touched on the other aspects but I think as much as you look I think I think again something I could talk about forever but you sort of see me through social media and I think it's so important to tell people that what you see on social media isn't the whole thing um I post everything I post because I'm passionate about it and it's it's topics that I love and I'll share the behind the scenes photos because they're moments that were were special to me and I remember them and and I want I want to sort of share those moments but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes a lot of struggles with with stuff as well it's not all been plain sailing but I think my biggest advice for anybody is if you've got something that you want to work towards just work hard and and then you'll you'll have no regrets have no regrets um if you told me 10 years ago that I would be working on the show that I am or where I am I wouldn't have believed it and I I find myself often thinking oh but what what am I going to do next and worrying about the future but I think it's just important to think that no matter where you are you're doing what you could have only dreamed of say a year ago or, or when you were little I think people put too much pressure on themselves and social media is a really bad thing for that and it's just important to remember that everyone's human and everyone has their own struggles it's not necessarily as um, easy and as good as it as it may appear. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That is, I think yeah, the old saying, keepers and curtains. It's not always what people show is what the truth is, um, and I think you put that across very, very elegantly and very well. Hast, um, <laughs> you said something that was really good the once, um, well, and did, I remember I? it because it's the only it's the only thing you've ever said that was good. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm joking. Um, you you said with regards to social media, there's a lot of people out there following people that they want to look like, or you know, and and they don't look nothing like that in real in in the real yeah, world. So... But, but you said follow people who inspire you. Yeah, you know so... things that they're doing that you really enjoy so for, firstly photoshop exists and i have to really really try and make myself look ugly because i'm that beautiful it, like, it, it's, <laughs> it's, um but yeah so, so you know god the world of selfies and filters and photoshop like don't fall into it we've all got imperfections we've all got funny weird angles and hairs and stuff in places and it's cool you are you speak for yourself yeah danny bugger <laughs> off um but yeah again I, I post a picture and I go, oh, that looks good. 
um, or, or that doesn't look good, and I won't post it because I've got an opinion on it. So I'm portraying myself perfectly. That isn't the case. So whatever you see, nine, nine times out of ten is a purified version of the truth. Um, so just just be aware. You know, like, like Mike just said, you know, it's try and follow people go, that inspire you rather than are going to change you. Yeah, and it also goes for like a, a a mental health kind of way as well. Like um, any, any one of us can post um, glitters and unicorns all over Facebook, but really, you know, we could be feeling the total opposite. Yeah, and I think as well, if you're trying to do something as well, and I think I've proved something to myself and other other people as well um, over the recent weeks, if there's something that you want to do or you don't think you're capable of doing it, try. Mm. Because Mm -hmm. I've started running, and who would have thought that I could do that? He doesn't run, he sort of flounders. Yeah, I I kind of flander (laughs) through the air and flat, but it's... I'm almost there, but you know what I mean? Mate, you're like, giving it a go, mate. Well done. Yeah, you know what I mean? And that, that's what it's about. So I'm not doing it for, for people to watch. I'm not doing it for anyone else. I'm doing it to Although we us. all wish we could. Yeah, you don't, yeah. mate. You don't. Like, I, I, honest to God. I like, do. Like, I would video that. You, you, would, you, you would see last week's dinner. Um, oh, but you do, nice. you do it for yourself. That's the most important. That Anything you yeah. do in your life, anything you take on, you do it for yourself. Um on that note, if you want to help support our podcast, please head on over to reptileandchill.com. You can find all our previous podcast podcasting episodes, our live streams, and our merchandise. So if you do want to help support us and what we do, obviously this does cost money. We don't make any money out of it. It does help us continue to do it. Any profits do go to a mental health charity as well. And if you want to follow us, our social media is Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the handle of Reptile and Chill. And if you want to become part of our community, which has been absolutely mind-blowingly awesome over the last couple of weeks people oh, are really coming together really yeah that, yeah that 100%. is on facebook if you search reptile and chill podcast community group click in that join it hannah i'm i'm expecting to accept you into that group within the next five minutes yeah. um, i will get straight on that um, yeah it'd be a great place to post some of your amazing <clears throat> pictures as well there's some fantastic photographers on the group as well hannah so i've seen your you photography well. too you're really good as well <laughs> thank oh, you don't, don't. He won't get to get also one last thing uh five star reviews only please Thank you. Yes. If, if you're not going to leave a five star review only, then get in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that, that is about it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next Monday for another episode of Reptile and Chill. Until then, you've got the live feed on Wednesday. Keep safe, keep indoors, don't do anything stupid, respect your neighbour, go shopping for them if they're old or they need help. Be a good person, don't be a dick. Don't yeah. be bad. Don't be bad. Be good. And, and Hannah? Yeah. I love you. Bye. Love you, bye. Love you. Love you. Love you. I love you guys too. Yay! (laughs) She loves us. I heard that.